So we are continuing with the book of Romans. Um, today we are going Romans tw- uh, 3, 21 to 26. And if you were here last week, Pastor Jay spoke about how we are all in a boat. And he talked about the Titanic, right? You guys remember that? Yeah. All right. Let's look at... I should have been more prepared. I thought I had opened my Bible. But it gives you time, guys, to open your Bible, right? All right, let's read. So uh, Romans 3.21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Even the righteousness of God through faith in in Jesus Christ to to all and one, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glo- of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as appropriation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's a mouthful. All right. And in closing. (laughs) So our reading today reminds us of the steps that Jesus, God, took in order to redeem us. The most amazing thing is God already knew that we were a sinner, and he would have to bring his son to redeem us. Think about that. That even before you are created... Before you went out and did the things that you did, before God created the whole world, he knew that I'm going to create people who are going to turn around and... There are people who are going to turn around and do the wrong thing, and he had to sacrifice his son in order to redeem us. I like to put myself in, in, in such shoes when I'm reading the Bible and thinking about my kids. If I knew that... Let's say I'm bringing you to my family, and I know you're going to cause me pain at some point in your life. So much pain that I have to sacrifice one of my child, would I still be doing it? But God still did it. And not only that, but in the beginning, he tried to find ways for us to do, to do to, he tried to find ways for us to redeem ourselves. He provided ways for, for the Israelites to be able to sacrifice, do these rituals. He's still working, even though he knew that that wasn't going to work at all. But he still continued. Like he was almost preparing them to, I hope that you guys accept that I'm going to give you my son. But in the meantime, let me show you how you can physically be involved. So maybe it can tug your heart. And then when I sacrifice my son, then you guys can see the love. But still, we don't do it. He sent his son, and the Bible says that whoever no limits, whoever believes in him will not lose his life, but have eternal life. Whoever, it doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life, that whoever gives his life to Christ, that he's redeemed and saved. William Tyndale, the man who translated the Bible into English, says, What do we call the gospel? It's a Greek word signifying good, merry, glad, joyful news that makes a man heart glad and makes him sing, dance, and leap for joy. And that's the gospel that Jesus came and died for us, even though we are not worth it. But the guy here, he says that it makes you be merry, be glad, be joyful, and makes a man heart glad and make him sing, dance, and live for joy. Do we have that? 
Because that's a question I asked myself as I was reading that. I'm like, do I reap for joy? When everything else in the world is crashing and I'm looking at all that stuff, do I still have that reassurance in my heart that I have joy and I can reap for joy? Because that's who he is, God, right? Romans 3, 24 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned and all, and all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in the sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of, of our sin. God knew that we, when we are created, were still going to betray him. But still, it doesn't matter what you do. He says, whoever believes in him shall be saved and freed from the penalty of sin. It's interesting to think about that because the more I internalize that, the more it doesn't make any sense. The more I internalize that, the more it doesn't make any sense. Because I get it. I can forgive you for a little bit of sin here and there. I can forgive you for maybe this much sin, but there are sins that I don't want to forgive you. And especially if I've gone to the extent of providing a way to redeem yourself, but you still don't do it, why would I go ahead to that point and do it? And so if you ever question the love of God, you have to think about yourself as a human. You are made in the image of God, right? So God is saying, think about it, take the moment and think, what would I have done or what do I do in my life? And then if you have any question that Christ loves you, then that's the answer that you have there. See, I believe the word of God is true. And in Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the thought that I have for towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and hope. See, we live in a very, very dim time at this point. And I know even in the history there are times when it's been worse than this. But where we are in our generation is a bad, bad time, Right? Okay, maybe three of you, right? I don't know where you guys are living, but where I live, I turn the news on, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening, right? You turn around, you see all those things. Yet God is still reassuring you. He says, the thoughts that I have are peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And somebody needs to hear that. But it doesn't matter what the Madits are putting. It doesn't matter what your job is doing. It doesn't matter who says what. God is still looking at you and saying, the plans that I have, the thoughts... The thoughts he has are those to give you a future and a hope. John 16, 20, 16, 20 says, Moses, I say to you that you, will weep, that, they, that you will weep and lament, but the world rejoice and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. This was Jesus telling the disciples that he's going to be crucified and everybody's going to think this is the worst that we've ever had, that Jesus, our Redeemer, is gone. He's no longer there. We have no hope. But it says for a moment, yes, there might be sorrow. For a moment, there might, people might push you to different places and, and show you that there is no glimpse of hope whatsoever. But he says, but your sorrow will turn into joy because that's what God does. John 14, 3 says, and if I go, I prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am. There you also be. That in this world, no matter what we go through, no matter what's happening in our world, there is still a promise of a place that's better than this place. I wish somebody would say amen for that. So today I titled the message, The the Greatest Interruption. And when you think about interruptions, nobody really likes interruptions. I don't like interruptions. 
Remember you, when you said you guys are sleeping, like wake up, please, let's say like, interrupt, right? Um, nobody likes interruption, but I believe that the gospel is the, one of the biggest interruptions that ever happened in this world. And it still didn't just happen then, but it continues even today to happen. Because you think about it, the gospel is the one that you are walking and you are doing the same thing over and over, and Jesus comes and changes everything completely. I was looking up the word interruption, and the English dictionary says interruption is to stop a continuous progress of an activity or a process. It's the continuous either of sin, it's the continuous of self-preservation, it's the continuous of anything filling the gap. But then Jesus comes and interrupts it and gives you a different way. I think one of our biggest, uh, I was thinking about our lives and my wife and I, biggest interruption was uh, when we moved from California to Washington. So we were living in California and um, we had a good life per se, if you want to say that. Uh, we, we went to church every Sunday um, right after we hang out and drank the night before and we had to go to church the following morning, right? Because that's what you do as a Christian, right? I never beat up anybody. We, we really... You know, I was a good person. I was kind, you know. Occasionally I'll use cuss words, but not when there's normal people, right? <laughs> right? It was just a group of friends, right? So we, we lived, we had good jobs, per se, and life was going on, and everything was going well. And if you ask me if you met me in the street and asked me if I was a Christian, yes, I was a Christian. I was a Christian. I love Jesus. I went to church on Sunday. I remember when I... When I met my wife, I was so glad that I had a girl who we could go to church together. But my life did not change at all. The continuous line, there was no interruption. It was just a continuous thing that we continued doing. And then 2009 comes in, and we just went to Kenya and came back, and I lost my job. And Eva had lost her job about six months later. We looked for jobs for almost, I would believe, like six to eight months, and we couldn't find a job. So we are sitting there on the computer, and we are like, we got to go somewhere. We can't stay here. We are dying. 401k is going down, right? All the savings are gone. There is nothing going on, right? And at that point, you're mad at the world. You don't realize that this is going to turn out to be one of the best interruptions that ever happened to our life, right? And so we, 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 look on the, um, we, we look at the states, and we are like, let's go to Washington. We had never been to Washington. We figured Washington is closer to California. So at any point when the economy gets better, we can drive back to Washington. So we went in. We are not. Trust me. It's been 10 years. <laughs> and um, so we, we went online, looked for an apartment, and we came over. And long story short, we ended up coming here, and a mailer came in, and we ended up going to Faith and Victory, and our lives changed from then, that moment. If that interruption had never happened, we wouldn't be who we are. If that interruption hadn't happened, our kids would not be who they are. Sometimes we even think that if that interruption had never happened, me and Eva wouldn't even be here, wouldn't even be together. But God came in and brought the best interruption that changed our lives, changed who we are, changed our hearts. And the gospel went and said, there is somebody who died for you, who says that I still love you no matter all those things that you've done. And man, had I done so many bad things in California and before that. He changed that completely and said, you know what? I still love you. I died for you. I died for you even before you knew that you needed me to die for you. Romans 3.12, 
is what he's talking about. He's talking about God showed us a way to be made right without keeping the outside ritual, but the true change of heart. Because the law just, be, uh, just works on the outside, yet the heart condition stays the same. I was still talking Christianese, I was still going to church, I was still doing all those things, but deep inside I was dead. But it's until Jesus came and touched my heart. It wasn't until he came and brought that interruption that my life changed. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God put forward before the eyes of all, a mercy seed, appropriation of it for his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He has passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. God has ignored our former sins. And I said I had a laundry of things that I wouldn't even want to even share with you guys. But God has ignored that and he's given me a different life and given me a different path. And I know that is not special for me because I know even some of you, and maybe online too, that's what God has done. And even maybe somebody is sitting there and thinking, well, I've done A, B, C, D, and God cannot forgive you. But trust me, we've done A to Z and God has forgiven us and given a new life. See, in order for us to understand forgiveness, we have to remember what we have been saved from. What a joy that my past, our past sins have passed over by the blood of Jesus and have been ignored without punishment. I praise God for that. Because if you remember what you were and what you were before Christ, who you could be even without Christ, who yesterday or today could be without Christ, then you'd realize that God forgive you for that thought, forgive you for that action, forgive you for all those things you've done. And all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart. And he continues to do that. The gospel is a mirror. It's an honest mirror. The one that allows us, if we are willing to examine, to face our shortcoming and know that we are not judged if we repent. If we change our life, we can go to the mercy seat and cast our burdens and take over Christ and we can be made new. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of, the fle- out of, your, of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. These are spiritual transformation promise in the new covenant. Instead of law working outside, God promises a new heart that works from the inside out. A new heart that can feel and that can enjoy and can love God and all his people and a proper place for God to live inside. That's the heart. He gives you a new heart, not only one that desires sin, but he gives you a heart that never wants sin at all. But one that loves God and loves his ways. And, and you don't have to struggle so much with those things because he gives you a new heart and he resides in there. We need not look farther by the gospel of God and see what he's done for us. Romans 3.22 says, Namely, the righteousness of God which comes, which comes by believing with personal trust and confidence relies on Jesus Christ the Messiah. And it's meant for all who believe, for there is no distinction. See, all have sinned and fallen short of, God, of the honor, glory, which God bestowed and received. See, we have all sinned. Okay, I have sinned. We have all sinned and come short of God's glory, right? And when you think about it, it's not just you or I. Adam sinned. 
You guys have read Kings, right? Over and over, so many kings have done wrong, right? Paul Paul sinned and he lied and did all those things, right? But God still forgave him. You and I, we've done, we've fallen short of God's glory. Yet, we are loved by Christ to a point of death. That no matter what happened, he still loves us to the point of death. It is important to see how he who died for us sees us. And this is for somebody. It is so important for us to see he who died for us looks at you and sees that person. You are precious. You are precious to a point where Christ died for you. Who died for me here? Probably nobody. Oh, Pastor Shelley. (laughs) Eva. (laughs) Marcus. But my point is, if God has to take his precious son and crucify, get him, see him being crucified, going through all the torture and all those things for you, what does that make you? It doesn't make you what the world calls you, man. It doesn't make you what people think of you. It doesn't make you what you're thinking in your mind that you were. All those are the, are the lies of the enemy. It makes you precious, a child of God. And somebody needs to hear that, that it makes you a child of God. And all you have to do is come home and say, Lord, here I am. I don't know how to do it, but I am a child of God. And I want my daddy to help me. I praise God that Christ interrupted me. And I wish somebody else would give praise to God that they were interrupted as well. So that was my first point. He says he interrupted sin. My second point is this. Allow interruption in your life. God went to a great deal to pay for your praise beforehand. See, one of the things, uh, the, the way I look at it is thinking about this whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross before I was born and the people who are going to be born, and unless there's somebody who's 2,000 years old and there isn't, right? Moving ahead. So when you think about it, when I was growing up, um, we, had a little, we had little stores in, in our neighborhood. Uh, there'll be like in this village, there'll be one, one little store at the end of like the entrance, like where you'd probably walk about maybe five minutes or something like that. And when we went to that store, there was standing order from my parents that anytime I can go in there and take bread, anytime, at least one bread a day, can do more than that, right? So I would go anytime in the evening, I'll be looking at the clock when I'm done with my chores, and I'll go there and the bread, bread is already paid for. All I had to do was just take the bread and go with it and consume it. Guess what happened the following day? Same thing. I went and got the bread, right? I didn't care about the price. I didn't care whether they had... I, in my mind, I'm like, I don't care whether you guys have bread or not. I'm taking bread, right? I didn't care if the price of the bread has changed. I didn't care if the size of the bread has changed. The fact was, my parents had paid for me, and I could just go in any time and grab bread and go with it. And it was the same thing I was thinking about it. As long as I am a child of God... As long I am a child of God and I'm abiding by the laws of God, I can go in the presence of God and I can have mercy. I can get everything I need according to the confines. Because I didn't say I'm going to go get a beer, right? I was told I can go get a bread. 
And so as long as I stayed in the confines of what I had been ordered by own by my own parent, is the same thing as Christians. That when we are a child of God, that we can go before God and all the promises, the promises in the store of God, if you want to say that, you can go in there and get that. So if you're having a bad, a bad week, a bad day, if, if things are not going your way, you can go there and say, Lord, you say you're going to comfort my heart. Where is comfort? Because I know you've already paid for it. If your life is just, you're looking for a job, or your job is in shambles, or is being threatened, you can go before God and say, God, I am feeling defeated, and I need you, Lord. I need you. You are my provision. Lord, where is my provision? Filling the gap. You can go before God and ask those things and he can provide. But we forget that what what would happen if, let's say it was on a Saturday and I am staying at home and I'm doing my own thing and I forgot to get bread and I have nothing to eat. Whose fault is that? It's not not the parents' fault because it's already been paid for. But I see us, and sometimes I'm in the same rant where my life is, things are going the wrong way, and I'm going through my day, and I'm trying to fix it, and I'm trying to make things work, and then I forget that there is one who's already provided. There is one who's already gone before me. This is what happened here. The price was paid, and it's up to you and I to go up and lay the stuff down and pick up peace. Pick up redemption, pick up freedom, pick up a guarantee for a future with Christ where he takes care of us all the time. Uh, there's a young man, I'll call him young because he's younger than me, in our church. He might be older, but, you know, it's relative, right? And I'll tell you about him by the time I'm done. So there's a young man who one time he was invited to church by his mom because life was going up and down. And he decided that he was going to go as a Christmas Eve and he said, okay, mom, I'm going to go to church. In his pocket, he still had things that were not godly. And the preacher came up and he was preaching and he walked over and interrupted the flow of his mind and he said, young man, Jesus is calling at you and you need to change your life. He said, young man, Jesus is calling you and you need to change your life. And he says, do you want to be free? He says, there is deliverance for you. Do you want to leave your addiction? And the young man, he said, he, the preacher asked him twice, and he said, yes, yes. And then at that time, he said, no, because you keep asking me the same thing, right? <laughs> but he, in his pocket, he had meth. At that moment, he was interrupted because all he was thinking about is what he's going to do next. And I asked him, what? so he got up and he came to the altar and he left meth at the altar and changed his life. And I asked him, what made you change? And this is what he said. He said, I thought of what would happen if I didn't take this great, great interruption. I thought about what would happen if I did not take this great interruption. Billy the barber, you guys know him. That's who that is. That he took that moment, the preacher came to him and said, young man, do you want redemption? One of the greatest interruptions, and some of you probably here, maybe online, you've come here because Beery was interrupted and he answered that call. This evening you might be in the same place, the word of God is going through, the message is in your thought and you're interrupting, the, the, there is interruption forming in and you're thinking, 
What am I going to do? But the question is, what if you don't get up? What's going to happen? There is redemption in the blood of Jesus. Billy was released from captivity. And from that moment right there, he was never, he was conquered of any addictions whatsoever. And he never looked back. And he got to be used by Christ in big and mighty ways. Genesis 18, 14 14 says, is there anything too difficult for our Lord? Is there anything too difficult for our Lord? Is there really? Hebrews 3, 15, 17, where he said, Today, if you hear, you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as, a rebellion, as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came from Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom he was angry 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? That's what happens when you don't heed the interruption. You end up going in the wilderness for 40 years, and before long, you are corpse that fell in the wilderness. Matthew 11, 28, 30 says, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve the, and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn on, lean on me. I'm gentle, meek, and humble, lower in heart, and you will find rest, relief, ease, and refreshment, and creation, and bless, bless quietly for your soul. I like that. Relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, and blessed quiet. Those are good words, right? I want that, right? For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light, easy, and light and easy to bore. That's Christ. That's what happened. Pastor Matt preached and said how we are yoked with Christ, and it becomes so easy because he turns, he t- we turn with him. Wherever he goes, and even navigating the times that we are in, no matter what happens, you turn with Christ. I know they're asking us to do A, B, C, D. I know they're saying our jobs are in this. I know I don't know where my provision is going to come from. But you put on the yoke of Christ and he will lead you. He's already been here before and he can walk with you. My third point is this and my last one. Go out there and be part of the interruption. Remember that somebody interrupted you if you're a Christian. The gospel is shared by people who have experienced the redemption power of Jesus Christ. Countless people in the Bibles were interrupted and went to declare the goodness of God. Think about Moses from his childhood. He was supposed to be killed. That was interruption. Right? He went to the palace and hanged out there and then he killed somebody. That was interruption. Then he was in the wilderness and he's just hanging out because that's what he does for 40 years. And guess what? He's interrupted again. And he's given an assignment. Folks, interruptions by God are amazing, right? It's not an inconvenience. It's a beautiful thing as long as it comes from the Lord. Think about Elijah. Elijah is one of, Elisha is one of my favorite people. Because when he was interrupted, he was found farming. He had his ox and the plow. And then he was like, hey, follow me. Elijah said, follow me. And immediately he said, okay, I'm going to do that. But you know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to cut out, I'm going to kill the animals. I'm going to barbecue. I'm going to destroy everything. That there is no way of going back whatsoever. That's a man who heeded an interruption. 
Because the issue, and I know even in my heart, is when God interrupts us and he says, I need you to go over here and we don't destroy our old idols, I'll leave you there. The list is endless. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish, publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature of the whole human race. When you think about it, Billy the barber uses his chair to tell people about God. If he had not heeded in the interruption, there's countless people who would be in hell today. My family and I, know that we are special because I know you guys have done the same thing. If we did not heed that interruption by God, I wouldn't be standing here preaching and Eva wouldn't be pouring to people the way she does. And I know you guys too who have given your life to Christ. There's so much that God has done because you heeded that interruption. You're going to allow Christ to work in your heart. Romans 1, 16, 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel or good news of Christ. For the God's power working unto salvation, for deliverance from eternal death to anyone who believes with a personal trust and confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For the gospel is a, for, for the, for in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith, as it's written, a man who through faith is just and upper shall live and shall live by faith. I love that way it says disclose, disclose through way of faith arouses more faith. It's kind of like all I need Lord is to know that you can do it. And then he gives you a little bit. All I know Lord is to trust. It doesn't matter what man says. I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to just leave the rest to you. And then he takes that and continues and brings more faith. And you believe him and he takes care of you. Second Peter 1, 3, 4 says by the divine power God has given us Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. The one who called us himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great, he's given us great and pre- precious promises. Great and precious promises. Those are good words. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and skip the word corruption caused by human desires. Isn't that what we are going through right now? The corruption of the world caused by human desires? But he's saying he gives us everything we need to live a godly life. He doesn't say that if all of our lives are interrupted and done all these things by things that are not of Christ, that he's going to stop giving us a good life. He's saying, I'm going to give you a good life in the midst of all this turmoil because I am Christ. He has left us a helper, a comforter, the Holy Spirit. He is our present help in times of need. That's another favorite verse of mine. He says, he's our present help. It's not an old help. It's not a future help, our present. He knows, he's aware of what you're going through today. He's aware of where your heart is. He's aware of everything that's going on. And he say he's our present help in times of need. There's so much noise around us and if we are not careful. The noise will attempt to drown the song of rejoicing and redemption of the power of Christ Jesus. Let us get back to the basic. Allow things of God to saturate our minds, our hearts and soul. 
Let us walk confidently that God has already inst- the confidence that God has already installed in you. Because guess what? The power of God is public. It's not hidden. It's real, it's available, and it's evident. Let us use it to interrupt all those ungodly things that are going in the society. Because when you meet Christ, when Christ has changed you, you can't let all that noise drown your voice because, trust me, there is somebody who needs to hear about who God is and what he can do in their life, especially in this time. Some of us are here alive because somebody shared the gospel with us. Somebody was courageous enough enough to interrupt us. Let's do the same for our brothers and sisters. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. What is saying that there are people out there who are hurting? Some in our church. There are people who really need Christ, but how are you going to pour out if you are not filled? He's saying that maybe you might not be able to go out there and speak to people, but he says, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers. So if you cannot physically go, how about prayer? How about prayer? We have prayer nights every Monday at 6.30. How about prayer? Come spend a whole hour with Christ. If you have your life covered and you're doing well, then pray for the laborers. Pray for me. Pray for somebody. Pray for our pastors. Pray for our church. Pray for our children. Take a moment to pray. There's plenty of mo- there are plenty of moments for interruption. But not enough people who are willing to step up and interrupt. Go and interrupt. And if you can't interrupt today, please start praying. John 3.16 says, for God, um, Angie, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. What that verse is saying that if you allow yourself to give your life to Christ, then you can be saved. But then for us who have been saved, he's saying, if somebody else doesn't believe in Christ, they are condemned. Are we going to sit aside and just watch them being condemned? What are you doing? Are you going to step out and get out of fear and go do the interruption yourself? Somebody did it for you. Somebody did it for you. It's time for us to get up, to go and interrupt because we have the power to do that. Let's all stand up. May the King of Glory worship you tonight, Father. We thank you, Father, for the gospel of the great interruption in our life, God. You've done so, so, so much in our lives, God, that we can't even comprehend, Father. We can't measure it, O King of Glory, of what you've done in our lives, God. I know, God, that you're tugging our hearts and reminding us, Lord, that who we were is not who we are today. 
You're reminding us, King of Glory, that no matter what comes our way, it doesn't matter because you've already gone, O King of Glory, God. You've already conquered, O King of Glory, Father, because, Lord, you died on the cross for us. What a greater, greater thing that you've done for us. And this evening I'm speaking to you if you haven't given your life to Christ. Let this be your interrupted moment. Whether you're here or online. Let, it be, let Christ interrupt you because guess what? Just like Billy and other people, your life can be changed. There is a God who loves you that he sent his only begotten son. That all you have to do is believe in him. And say, God, forgive me. I want to be, I want to come home. I'm your child. And you will be saved. If that's you here today, go ahead and come up here. Let's pray with you. If you're online, I'll pray with you in a minute here. Also, if you walked away from Christ and you want to come back home, the same call is out there that Christ needs you home. You cannot endure this world by yourself, I'm telling you. You would not endure this world by yourself. And so if that's you, come over here, we'll pray together. Lord, we praise you, God. I pray, Father, for all those hearts that you've touched, oh God. Whether it's here or online, O King of Glory, God. The Lord, you may receive them, O King of Glory, and give them directions, Father, of what to do, where to go, mighty King of Glory, God. And for us, O King of Glory, thank you so much for the interruption, O God. And Jehovah God, give us the courage, O King of Glory, to go and interrupt others for your kingdom, O King of Glory, God. Let us know, Father, what you've done for us, God, we can do for others. Because you live in us, O God, and you've already empowered us, O Lord. God, we worship you, Father. I pray for your people, God. I pray for desperation, oh God. I come against that in the precious mighty name of Jesus, God. I come against fear in the name of Jesus, God. I come against all these things that are happening to people's livelihood, oh God, Father. And I pray, Lord, that Jehovah God, if this is an interruption, Father, that you are allowing, so Jehovah God, we can rely on you, God, that we can keep our eyes on you in the mighty name of Jesus, God. But Jehovah God, if this is, an, this, is a, this is a destruction from the enemy, God, Jehovah God, we call a stop to it in the mighty name of Jesus, God. And we thank you, God, that you fight for us, oh God. Holy Spirit, I'm sending you with your people today. I'm asking you that you may guide them. You give them peace. You may give them calmness. You may give them expectation, Lord. So when they go out there, that the noise doesn't drown what you've already done, what you've already promised, what you are doing, what you're planning to do, Father. That there can be victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Be with us tonight as we live, God. Cover this word with your precious name that the enemy does not steal it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.